want to talk about a topic this morning uh, that we deal with every day, and that's worldliness. And we live in a world that God created, and God created this world, and from the beginning, people started to mess it up. You think back to the Garden of Eden, you think about Satan tempting Adam and Eve there in the beginning, and they immediately fell to that sin. And that sin changed the course of, of how we live today. It, it messed everything up. And we've all fallen victim to that sin. And, and that sin is of the world. That's not something that God wanted. That's not something that God intended for mankind. But yet we've all fallen victim to it. And the wise man of old tells us this in Proverbs 21 and verse 12. He says, The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. So what we want to do today is we want to wisely consider the wicked or wisely consider worldliness. Worldliness equals wickedness. That's all there is to it. And we can, in and of ourselves, uh, wisely consider that, but the Scriptures can wisely consider that for us. We sing the song this morning. Brother Sean led the song that talks about the Word of God, the, those ancient words. And those words can guide us. Those words can direct us. Those words can help us to wisely consider the house of the wicked, to think about it in a, in a sobering fashion, to understand it, and, and how we can walk through this world in a godly way. Because the world will weigh you down. It will bog you down. It will cause you to, to get discouraged. It will cause you to doubt your faith. It will cause you to, to give in to the flesh and on and on. But the Word of God can help you wisely consider that, to look at it. He says, look at that house of the wicked. Look at them. Look at what they're doing. Look at how they're living. Look at how they're behaving. And wisely consider that. You know, the unwise way to look at that is to look at them and say, boy, doesn't it look like they're having fun? Doesn't it look like they're having a good time? Doesn't it look like that's the way to live? And so many people fall victim to that. The wise man said that God overthroweth the wicked in their weakness. Think about it. Think about what they're doing. You know, we live in a time where all the time we hear people say it's just getting worse. It's just getting worse. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. I think back to the time of, of Noah and where it said the thoughts of man were only evil continually. That sounds pretty bad. I don't think we're quite that bad. But, you know, you think back over the past three decades, four decades in this country and what people thought was immoral then versus what people think is immoral now. And you see moral degradation. There's no, there's no denying that. People have become more and more accepting of evil things. And that's not a surprise. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He says it's going to get worse and worse and worse. This world's not a good place. Young people growing up in this world, people are going to become more and more accepting of evil things in your lifetime. I've seen it. Those that are older here have seen it. You will see it. People will accept evil at a, at more and more. They'll just say it's okay. It's not so bad. 
You look at survey after survey. Pew Research does surveys over time of morality and what they think is acceptable. You know, 30 years ago, people were very quick to say that two people living together without being married was immoral. At a very high percentage rate, they said that's immoral. You know, today, more than 50% of the people in America say there's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with that at all. You see, it's waxing worse and worse. And should we be surprised at that? No, the Bible said it's going to happen. That's going to happen. So what do we do about it? How do we wisely examine, as the, as the wise man of old said, he said, wisely examine the house of the wicked. What do we have to do? Well, first we've got to understand what it is. What is worldliness? What is it exactly? To put it in the simplest terms that we can, um, worldliness is just a propensity to, to accept or to love the things of the world. To, to look at the things that are in the world and, and to, to enjoy those things, to accept those things, to, to love those things. That's what worldliness is. In Ephesians 2 and verse 2, it says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He says there, according to the course of this world. That's what worldliness is. Worldliness has a course. The flesh has a course. And he said, when you walk according to the course of this world, you're living in worldliness. That's wickedness. That's worldliness. Those two things are the same thing. He goes on to say, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You know, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans talks about the battle between spirit and flesh. He talks about that very openly, that even he had that battle. That a constant battle is going on between spirit and flesh. And the flesh is weak. And we need to understand that. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he said, when you walk according to the world and you fulfill the course of this world and you just do the things that the flesh wants to do and that you conceive in your mind, you just do whatever it is that feels good, whatever it is that seems right to you, that's worldliness. That's how the world encourages you to live. Fulfill your desires. Fulfill your dreams. Whatever those dreams are. They don't have to be dreams that are associated with the Word of God. Whatever your dreams are, whatever you set your mind to do and to accomplish, just do it. Just do it. God said that's worldliness. He said you walk that way according to the course of this world. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's what worldliness is. So we've got to understand that, first of all. How are you living your life? Are you reading the Word of God, those ancient words that guide our steps, that tell us how to act, that tell us how to behave? Are you letting your life be guided by those things or your flesh and your desires and whatever you want to do? Because that's worldliness. You've got to understand that first. If you're going to wisely examine worldliness, you've got to understand 
that it's selfishness. It's doing what you want to do. Tending to the flesh. Whatever feels good to me. It's what worldliness is. Second thing is not to get angry about it. So we're going to talk about a few things that we commonly do when we look at worldliness. And I guess this is the top of my list. I get mad. I look out at what's going on in the world and I just get mad about it. And I read Facebook and what people are posting on there and I just get mad about it. And I can feel my blood pressure go up and my face turn red. I'm just sitting there getting mad and angry about it. God says don't do that. The wise man of old again in Proverbs 24 and verse 19, the first part of that verse, he says, Fret not thyself because of evil men. We think about the word fret as worry. I guess that's how we use it in, in our modern English. The word there in the Hebrew just means to get hot and angry and mad. That's what it means. He says don't do that. Don't get mad because of evil men. Don't let them upset you. Don't let them cause you to get angry. We were in Washington, D.C. last week. I don't know if this shows up very good to you or not, but this was parked out on the, on the side of the road. And you have to admire someone in uh, an environment where not too many people are looking to God. You have to admire someone that will stand up and, and speak that, that they love God. But I don't know if they were speaking that they love God as much as they were about, this just screams anger to me. They're mad about it. And they're parking on the side of the road and they're getting out and they're chanting angry, hateful words. Look down here at the bottom. It says, hell, let justice roll. They want people to burn in hell. Do you want people to burn in hell? You know, we can look at that what they do in the world and we can, we can say that's wrong and, and that's good. We need to stand up for what's right and what's godly. But I don't want anybody to burn in hell. Not a single solitary soul. I hope you don't either. But sometimes I act like it. Even though I don't want that, sometimes I act like it. When I'm confronted with evil and with sin, my response is not in gentleness and meekness, but it's in hatred and anger. And that's not right. We don't need to be the person that's shouting out anger and hatred. We need to be the person that's shouting out love and salvation through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. We read that verse. It's clear. The things that are going on, the things that this individual is crying out against, those things are wrong. Those things are sin, and the people that are involved in those things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But look at what it says in verse 11. And such were some of you. But you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Why are you getting mad when you did the same thing? Why are you getting angry when, if it weren't for Jesus, you wouldn't be saved from those sins? I wouldn't be saved from my sins. Why do I get mad and angry when I do the same things? Involved in the same things. You see, Jesus saved me and Jesus can save them. And the message should be about salvation. 
The message should be about how Jesus can save you from your sins and take you to heaven. Not your sorry, no good, low life. That's not the message. You know, I'm afraid sometimes in the church we get afraid to go out and bring in those of the world because it's going to create problems in the church. We bring in somebody that doesn't know God, somebody that's never been involved with the church, with Christ, with living the Christian life. They don't know how to live the Christian life. It's going to create problems. It's going to take time and it's going to take energy just to keep them on track. Well, what else are we here for, brothers and sisters? What else are we here for? That's our job, to help them, to keep them on track. Not to be angry when they fall to sin, but to lift them up, to pick them up, to help them. That's the proper reaction to the world. God forgave us, and we should forgive them. In Titus chapter 3 and verse number 2, it says, To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing, meek, showing all meekness unto all men. Our attitude must be one of meekness, of gentleness, of kindness. That's the kind of attitude that converts people, not an attitude of anger and bitterness. The next thing is uh, kind of the complete opposite of that. And that's that you look at the world and you become envious of it. Like I said in the beginning, oh, they're having fun. That's a good time. They're enjoying themselves. And the wise man had something to say about that as well. In the second part of that verse in Proverbs 24 and 19, he says, neither, become, neither be thou envious at the wicked. So he says, fret not of evil men. And then he says, don't be envious of them either. Don't get mad about it and don't be envious of them. Those are the reactions to worldliness that we can have. And he says if we're going to wisely examine it, we've got to understand. Can't get mad at it and can't be envious of it. Are you envious of the world? You look at your friends that live in the world and you say, I wish I could do that. I wish I didn't have this yoke of bondage around me. Is that how you look at Christianity as a yoke of bondage? He said my yoke's easy. My burden's light. It's not a yoke of bondage. Jesus knows what's best for us. The course that He's asked us to walk, the life that He's asked us to live, is the path that is easy. It's the path that will make our life on this earth the very best that it can be, the life that's the most well-lived and, and, and uh, best for us and those around us. And the bonus is that that's the kind of life that will take us home to heaven too. We look at the wicked and the, the, the burdens that they have to bear because of that wickedness. They destroy their homes, their lives, those around them. And then the booth, that's not the kind of life that's going to live to heaven. Don't be envious of the wicked. Again, in Proverbs 23 and 17, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. All day long. Don't envy sinners. Don't look at what they do and the life they live and be envious of it. It's just that simple. 1 John 2.15 says it like this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't love the world. 
All those things that are going on in the world. It's funny to think about that, that the, the wise man of old said that. But I have problems with both these things. You would think it would be one or the other. I'm either going to get mad at the world uh, or I'm going to be envious of it. But not both. But I have problems with both. Maybe you do too. It's easy. Sin is deceitful. Sin is, is a problem. It deceives us into thinking that there's enjoyment in it. It deceives us into thinking that that's the kind of life to live. But it's not. Look at even David. Even King David in Psalm 73 and verse number 2. He says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He said, I was tired. I was weary. I was burdened down. Why? Why did all that happen to him? He said, for I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. David said, I looked out at them, and they had a good life. They were rich, and they were strong. And it just seemed like everything was going their way. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked out at someone in the world and thought, man, they're not having problems. They're not burdened with the same things I'm burdened with. Everything seems to be going their way. Everything looks perfect. David said, I did that. And when I looked out and I did that, he said, it wearied me. My feet got weak. I lost my strength. I began to doubt. Don't do that. Don't look out and become envious of those things because it will wear you down. It will burden you. You need to get into the Word. You need to read the Word and let it strengthen you. Don't be envious of the wicked. Finally, don't give in to it. A wise examination of wickedness, of worldliness, involves understanding that you can't give in. This is an endurance race. We must endure in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27, Paul said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He said, it's constant. I must keep under my body. I must bring it into subjection because I could give in to worldliness if I don't watch out. And you could too. No matter how mad you get at it, you could give in to it if you don't watch out. Hebrews 11 and 25 speaks of Moses. It says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. It's endurance. It's making a choice. I'm not going to give in. I'm going I'm to preach righteousness. I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to share the message of truth and not give in to this temptation that the world uh, presents. In Mark chapter 9, I want to read a few verses here. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 30, uh, 43. He says, And if thy hand defend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. For it is better for thee to enter into life uh, enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell and the fire that never shall be quenched where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It's better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye 
than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Jesus says here in Mark that you do whatever it takes to not give in to worldliness. Whatever it takes. Now I think about the verse in 1 John that talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those things are not of the Father, but are of the world. And then you look at this verse, and you see the things he says to do away with. And it lines up perfectly with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You do whatever it takes to not fall to those things. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Are the things of the world involving your career getting in your way? Are they preventing you from doing the will of God? He said if they are, cut it off. Do away with it. It's better to have no arm. It's better to have no career. If that's the thing that's getting in the way of you serving God. If that's what's drawing you into the world, do away with it. Be gone with it. What about your foot? Does your foot offend you? Cut it off, he says. Are the things you're doing that entertain you? Getting in the way of you serving God. The things that you're running and doing. Are those things preventing you from serving God? Are they drawing you into the world? If you're going to wisely examine the world and you're going to identify that as the problem, he says, cut it off. Do away with it. Better to enter in a life hall. He says, does your eye offend you? Are the things you're watching or the things you're seeing, are those things drawing you into the world? Well, that's easy to do. Everywhere you look, every book you pick up, every TV show you watch, if you can't handle those things, if those things are drawing you into the world, if they're causing you to conform to the world, if they're causing you to be drawn away from God, He says, cut it off. Pluck it out. Do away with it. Whatever it is, you have to be willing to take that step, to cut it off, to do away with it. So as we close, I want you to think about the world. And your reaction to the world. Because that's really the whole purpose of the study today. Is for you to consider your reaction to the world. Is it a proper reaction? Are you wisely considering it day by day? Because that's what it takes. Every day. A conscious effort to examine the house of the wicked. To think about it in the terms that God wants you to think about it. Are you getting angry at it? Because that's not the right response. You need to be looking at the house of the wicked and considering how can I bring them in from the fire? How can I save them? How can I help them? Because their soul's just as important as my soul. Their life's just as important as my life. Don't get angry at it. Consider it. 2 Timothy 2 verse 24, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. Bring them in. Save them. Don't get angry at it. Is that your attitude towards the world? If it is, then change it. Change it. Make sure that you have a loving and meek and gentle attitude toward those that are without Christ so that you can bring them into Christ. Are you envious of it? Are you envious of the, of the world? Are you giving in to the world? 
If so, that's not the right way to look at it either. That's not a wise consideration of worldliness. You've got to catch yourself. You've got to bring yourself into subjection. You've got to uh, avoid falling victim to the temptations of the world. And you do that by cutting it off. Step by step, cut it off. If there's something that's bothering you, if there's something that's drawing you in, cut it off. Do away with it. Put it away from you. Romans chapter 2 and verse 7 says, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. That's really the bottom line, isn't it? If you're going to endure this world, if you're going to live in this world, it takes patient continuance and well-doing. Every day, cutting something off that's a sin. Every day, cut it off, put it away. Cut it off, put it away. Every day, patient continuance in well-doing. Can't stop, can't take a break. Every day. And that's my admonition for you this morning. If you